ignorant in the information age, but facts are in short supply. Reject the noise, ask bold questions, and pursue the truth with FBI whistleblowers and founding suspendables, Garrett O'Boyle and Steve Friend. This is the American Radicals Podcast. It is the American Radicals podcast on a Saturday noontime. It's December 23rd. It's uh, Christmas weekend. Really excited. Also excited just because of the timing of Christmas, because it falls on a Monday, kind of gives everybody that extended weekend. It's not like a Wednesday. It's just always difficult to deal with. So really excited to be with you on a Saturday, Christmas weekend for the show. We've got a lot of information to bring you. We actually got some thrown at us this morning that we're going to have to call an audible on and actually add to the content of the show, but it's going to be great. Uh, we're going to talk to you today about, uh, we're calling this show The Fresh Prince Fate, and it's sort of uh, taking on a challenge that's been going on within the, the Rumble group chat, and if you're not joining us on Rumble, make sure you do. If you are, give us a follow, give us a like. The AMRAD podcast is brought to you every Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday at noontime, and there's been this uh, evolving challenge that we're seeing within the uh, the followers on the group chat where they they like to throw out a number of movie references that my friend and colleague Garrett O'Boyle and I will address in each given episode. It got up to like half a dozen. And uh, look, I uh, I appreciate the the sentiment of one of my favorite all-time movies from the 80s, War Games. That's number one. Uh, uh, the only way to win is not to play. But I'm going to embrace another 80s movie, number two. And that is going to be The Karate Kid, where we sweep the leg, no mercy. And we're going to actually build in movie references to the show so we can definitely get to the quota system. But before we get to all that, I want to bring on my buddy Garrett at GOB Actual. Good to see you today, my friend. How is your uh, Christmas weekend going so far? It's shaping up. We've already had one Christmas celebration last night. Uh, so we got another today and at least one more because we'll have to do our own. But uh, as it is Christmas time, another movie reference for me, comes from one of my favorite Christmas movies, Die Hard. And I often think of this scene near the beginning when the FBI agents show up at the crime scene. They're in their suits. The leader of the duo is smoking a cigarette. And he says, who's in charge here? And then some, like, captain or whatever says, oh, I, you know, I'm in charge. Eh, not anymore. And it's like, yeah, okay. Agent right. Johnson, Agent Johnson, no <laughs> <Yep>. relation. <laughs> My yeah, favorite. It's, it's a great scene. It's just it embodies so much of the uh, the hubris that we saw uh, and we continue to see from the FBI. So yeah, the, the, the debate is always fun is whether or not that is a Christmas movie. Uh, but you can't <laughs> deny it's an awesome movie. Yep. Way to hit the ground running, Alan Rickman. That was his first theatrical appearance. That oh. was Hans Gruber. First movie. That's how you do it, man. It is. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but we want to get into the movie uh, references because we built them into the show. It was from a poll that I put out earlier this week on Truth Social where it was, what is the most likely end to America? And laid out a couple of movie examples. Uh, but this morning, uh, our buddy Kyle Serafin put out a video uh, that I think we should, before getting into the movies and getting into the serious discussion side of that, um, I do want to bring that up and talk talk to everybody about uh, because I think it's it's pretty uh, hard hitting is he connected some really good dots that I think are interesting and worthy of discussing here on a Saturday while people are fighting it out at Walmart to get the, <laughs> the last uh, turkey or, or toy that you can uh, jingle all the way 
you know, style Arnold Schwarzenegger. Another movie reference for you there, chat. Wow, wow, wow. But uh, let, let's bring up Kyle's. Uh, Kyle, he put out of this short video here, and I think he connected some really good dots. Really interesting. I think uh, he uh, he talked about things that might have actually predated your time in the bureau, uh, but certainly not mine. Uh, we'll give this a play and and start it off here today on a Saturday. Hey, folks. I'm sitting here on a Saturday morning. I'm cruising through Twitter. I spend far too much time thinking about this stuff. And something has bothered me about the way that the coverage has only existed on places like Twitter when we talk about the gay porn tape that was released out of the U.S. Senate. Why? Do you realize that in 2015, the Chinese Communist Party and the Chinese government sponsored the single largest data breach of the United States federal government's information from the Office of Personnel Management? And they specifically targeted one type of data, the SF Standard Form 86. That's the background check form that is used to investigate and to clear somebody for a national security setting, whether you get a, a confidential, a secret, or a top secret clearance. Just think about that for a second. They were able to grab every single U.S. employee, including me, who had submitted to a background check or had a current active clearance using that SF-86, and they know where they were born, they know where they have lived throughout the entirety of their life for every single address, they know people in every single one of those places. And then in 2016, a company called Beijing Kunlun Tech, K-U-N-L-U-N Tech, bought an app that some of you may be familiar with. It's called Grindr, a gay dating app that is used exactly for what you think in the same way that Tinder was used. It's a hookup app for gay men. Now, what would you do in 2015, gathering every single person who has a security clearance, and then in 2016, grabbing every single gay male that wants to use a hookup app? Trump administration tried to get them to sell it. I don't know if the sale actually ended up going through. But all the data that they wanted is gone. It's all available to the Chinese Communist Party. And how much compromise do you think is out there? This is the kind of stuff that I think about on a Saturday morning as I consider, what kind of world are my kids going to grow up in? And is the United States going to survive it? All right. Interesting dot connections by our friend Kyle Serafin. Uh, anything come to your mind there? I know you got in the bureau after the hack, yep. uh, but uh, what, what are your thoughts anyway on, on, on maybe the, the grinder connection to that? I, I think that really is just it for me is all this stuff seems to be insidiously connected. And, you know, with all the talk of the, the Biden crime family being, you know, owned, bought and owned for by uh, China, man, China certainly has their fingers and their tentacles in all sorts of things in in America, and it's it's getting really uh, eerie to be like, are we even like our own country anymore, or is China just they, they're slowly chipping away at the mountain that was once America? You know, I was looking at the timeline of it because I was in the bureau. I got in in 2014, and I remember pretty shortly after that is when the hack was announced. Um, but here's here's where your government uh, allowed to happen at the Office of Personnel and Management, EOPM. Uh, they allowed the hack, they've realized in May of 2014 is when the earliest hack was. I got hired in June. So right around that time, uh, I'm assuming the, the hack was not just a one-time infiltration. Mm -hmm. yep. uh, they only discovered it in April of 2015. So almost a full year later is when they discovered this hack where they took millions of people's personal information. Uh, and I was also struck by the timing because uh, um, around that time, 
is when the Ashley Madison hack happened. And you remember it was shortly after Ashley Madison was advertising during the Super Bowl. They ran a commercial. And Ashley Madison, for those who don't know, was the I want to have an affair website where you could <laughs> register. And I remember thinking outside of a national security context, certainly an enterprising young lady um, could uh, go on that website and hook up with high-powered, wealthy men, and then have blackmail material essentially given to her. Um, and I just thought, well, that seems like a, a pretty bad personal operational security matter, but never even brought into the context of a, a government national security issue, especially when you have like the Fang Fang, Eric Swalwell connection. Mm -hmm. um, and the timing of the Ashley Madison was in July of 2015. So right after the, the announced hack of OPM is when Ashley Madison happened. Uh, and, and that to me just, uh, it, there's a, the, look, the joke is two conspiracy theorists walk into a bar. That can't be a coincidence. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but all these people who were willingly putting up compromising information about themselves on a website where they're going to engage in activity that is going to be in itself compromising, uh, I think is, is worth looking into. And, and did it leave us all vulnerable as a result of that? And, and what people need to realize is th that this is all this conversation that Kyle started this morning and we're having now is derivative of what our conversation was offline in a group chat uh, amongst the suspendables about this Senate gay porn video. And uh, I am struck by the lack of outrage by our elected officials at this, where it would seem to be like a ground ball where they could talk about family values, um, but they just kind of want it to go away. And that makes me think that they're all just doing it. And the Madison Cawthorn thing that he was actually engaging in himself um, is true and that they're just having these orgies be they gay straight try whatever the heck they're calling yeah yeah it's man it I, I know i i point to the bible a lot but it really strikes me as this is the path that sodom gomorrah was sodom and gomorrah was on before it was completely turned over it, it, when this type of wicked vile disgusting anti-god behavior is in all the the seats of power for a nation like and and it tells me that this is true because of what you were just saying about how they just want it to go away they don't want to talk about it they they were fine getting rid of somebody like madison cawthorn because he's running his mouth about the orgies so we got to find a way to get him out because we can't have a, a you know a a, a new a, a new congressperson or whatever coming in and then leaking all of our secrets about what goes on in this wicked city and then they all sit on their hill literally their capitol hill as it were and think we can look down on the peasants and do whatever we want and engage in disgusting sick behavior and infidelity and affairs and homosexuality and you know you name it you name it and as long as the people don't know, then our, we're safe and our secret is safe. But your secrets, your secrets are never safe. The truth always comes to light. And so it just it, it is curious that they just how quiet they're keeping it and how you aren't hearing it anywhere. You're not hearing you're not seeing this stuff anywhere. So it's like how many people who, you know, maybe at their place of work. Well, let's actually let's just use the FBI because they've got CNN or whatever running in every office all day long how many of them really would have any idea that something like this happened 
I bet you the vast majority don't even have a clue. No, no. Well, look, a lot of, a lot of agents are actually just kind of focusing on what they're doing. They're not even in knowing what's going on in the news. Most people in general are just kind of ignorant to what's going on. That's why those man on the street interviews are always hysterical and they mm -hmm. ask people questions. Yeah. Uh, and, and the FBI certainly is not exempt from that. Uh, but when you talk about what the TVs that are hanging on the walls, this is this is some inside baseball. It's probably worth giving it a minute of our attention here. What people don't realize is they have TVs all over the FBI offices. It, you can't turn around without seeing a TV on. And they always articulate that, well, if something goes bad, if we want to have breaking news going on. We don't want to be caught off guard, which means that the FBI is relying on cable news for its information, um, which is in itself maybe a problem. But then there's always this battle of which channel to put on. Um, and there's the Intel analyst side and the support staff side, which tends to lean far left. And they always want CNN um, because they can get away with CNN. It's just based off its reputation. They can't put on MSNBC. And then the, the Asian population would tends to be centrist or, or maybe even to the right. Um, and, and they want to put on Fox News. Uh, and, and it's whoever gets there first puts the channel on. And that's basically the golden law of, for the whole day. You can't change the channel because whoever got there first got to set the channel agenda. Um, that was at least my experience in multiple offices. I don't know if you saw that. Yeah. Uh, where I was in Wichita, it was pretty uh, pretty conservative, as, as you'd probably imagine. And so Fox was usually on. There was one guy. Uh, he was, what was he, like our OST or something? He wasn't on board with all that, so... But he he hardly ever got to the office first. But uh, you could always tell he's like, oh, fine. it's just a weird etiquette thing. Like it's <laughs> like you can't touch the remote control. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, and speaking of some of the the blame stream media, I saw a clip this morning again on Twitter, and it was a clip of RFK Jr. on CNN. I forget who the host is. It's one of their more well known, uh, you know, spokesholes, and she tried to do a gotcha on him and he was getting really fired up because they they played a short clip that they even edited like they cut it and like they cut it part they cut part of the clip where he was talking about the jews and Anne frank and like he was like no you're taking that way out of context and then like the video i saw i play like the full clip and it's like dang they really are taking that way out of context because she was saying how he was comparing nazi germany to to COVID mandates. And, you know, honestly, I think you can make a reasonable argument for that, not the argument he was making. And he's like, Hey, 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 that's not what I was saying. I was talking about government totalitarianism at large with all the technology. And it's like, dude, these people are wicked, man. CNN, the government, like they're all in cahoots as we know, but, but dude, they, uh, they lie and deceive like left and right. And, and then cover up, you know, like this story about this staffer, they're just trying to cover it up. And, I saw somebody in the chat mention that it was possibly leaked by Mossad that somehow they obtained it. Uh, this staffer, you know, video or, or images or whatever. I hadn't heard that. Honestly, it's not a story I've been following super closely other than just being like, Oh, okay, here's another example of, uh, of sodomy in the, in the throes of power in America, which I'm not on board with, but, uh, but yeah, it's, it's interesting. It, it would be cause um, I mean, the Mossad, yeah, maybe a little bit of a of a guffaw on October seventh. Not not really seeing that coming, but Israel too. They're kind of leaning into this woke ideology, big time. And but I, I mean, it's the, the the whole espionage and spy game stuff. Even with um, hey, there's a movie reference. That's one of my favorites, Spy Game. But um, Robert Redford and uh, and Brad Pitt. But uh, 
what countries do, you know, even when they're allies, it's just, it's, it's funny cloak and dagger stuff that's going on. If, if that's the case, you know? Yes. We're not in, um, we're not, we're not electing the most sophisticated people either. That's the other thing. And <laughs> that's they're, just, true. they're just regular people. They're not, uh, you know, uber smart or anything. Uh, they're obviously not smart enough to follow the Admiral Akbar. It's a trap reference, um, to not put their government email addresses on Ashley Madison or Grinder or whatever it is. Um, but I think it's it's worth uh, highlighting what Kyle went into. I think he'll probably expand on that more um, next week when he's uh, he's hosting uh, Dinesh D'Souza's podcast next week. Yeah. So people are Kyle Serafin's show uh, fans, as Suspendables fans, he will be filling in for Dinesh D'Souza next week. Um, and we'll move along here to what the topic was intended to be from the outset, and that was the uh, the Fresh Prince Fate theme that we want to go with. Um, but before we do that, we want to make sure we are thanking our sponsor, and uh, that is my pillow. Mike Lindell's crew over there setting some good uh, last minute sales for Christmas. If you look there, if you use our promo code, which is AMRAD in uh, light of the American Radicals podcast, you can take advantage of some of the discounts that are there and support our show. You see that they get them the MyPillow 2.0, the towel sets. Um, I have to scroll through and find the, um, the slippers because I've heard nothing but good things with that. And I'm in need of some slippers. My wife does not allow us to walk in our house with regular shoes. And regardless of what you say, I know it's 75 degrees today in Florida. I have cold feet, so I need to have some slippers. And I will take advantage of the AMRAD uh, promo code. And, and I would encourage you all to, especially when you get really angry listening to the podcast today while in line at the store and realize you could have done all the shopping online. Well, use the AMRAD promo code and get yourself some slippers uh, or anything else that is on that site. So uh, thank you for uh, for supporting us and thank you as we're going forward. And we're going to push forward and bring on uh, the the poll that uh, I wanted to talk about today. This was sort of like on a lark. Again, we were doing a uh, uh, attempt to bring in as many movie references as we could on a Saturday, just kind of having a little bit of fun. And uh, I came up with four movies and, and Will Smith is definitely the king of the, the summer blockbuster. Uh, and I thought that those these four sort of encompassed the, the main four areas I thought that might be the end of the American empire, the civilization. Uh, and and you all voted. It was uh, overwhelming when you when you stacked up the results. Uh, we compared four movies. I am legend, I robot, Independence Day and enemy of the state. Uh, and then the motifs that are behind the themes that are behind all those movies as potential uh, problems that, that could actually find themselves in real life happening to America. Um, and I think that the results are, are indicative of where we all sort of see everything going. Um, but we want to dig into each one of them actually on a serious note, because I think that they're, they're worth having conversations about. And, and we can do that and work our way through all of them. Um, the first one being, I think, uh, I Am Legend, which for those who don't know, and I didn't know this, uh, Garrett, I don't know if you actually have seen this movie. I have. But I was really confused by the title. <laughs> uh, and I actually went down a wormhole and found out what, why they came up with this title. And it's based on a short story where they, in effect, it was uh, a vampire short story. Not, not zombies, but zombies were very popular. So obviously they, they swapped them out. But the story basically goes, there's a, a vampire invasion, essentially. And if you know anything about the, the vampire myth, is they can only come in your house if you invite them in. And the story is this the, the central figure 
is alone in his house and all his friends and his family have been converted into vampires. And they will bang on the door and ask to be let in and say, don't you want to let us in? And he has to deal with that temptation and the anguish of it. And then his response to that is to essentially become this vampire slayer, go around killing all of them. And the, the, the purpose of the title in I Am Legend is the vampires are a legend to us. But he essentially becomes the legend to the vampires as this, this horrible figure who's going around and killing them all. Um, so that's where the, the genesis of that title is. But obviously, they made it more of a zombie apocalypse movie. Um, and I, I think that, uh, that it's, it's, uh, it's worth looking at because of the way that they, they cultivated the story. And it was in response to uh, uh, cancer. It was a, a vaccine to address cancer. Uh, and, and as a result of that, it turned the entire global population into into zombies. So let's let's just look at the the movie pre, uh, preview uh, for people who didn't see it. Uh, it was it came out a few years back, but uh, this sort of sets up the premise. Nothing happened the way it was supposed to happen. Day 1001. My name is Robert Neville. I'm a survivor living in New York City. I am broadcasting on all AM frequencies. If you are out there, if anyone is out there, please. Uh, so we didn't have the jump scare that you normally get at the zombie movies, uh, and they didn't really show you that. But I think it was a pretty early preview. Uh, like I said, before showing you the preview, the premise of the movie, if you haven't seen it, is they they think they have a cure for cancer and they put a vaccine out, and it turns people into these man-eating zombies. And Will Smith is the the last man on earth, or so he thinks, and is having to to survive years and years down the line. Um, now, how is that movie relevant to what we're seeing today? I thought that this was an interesting uh, news story that came out um, a few days ago, or, or actually a, uh, this was by William Mackis, who's a medical doctor. He put it out on Twitter, and it was about Pfizer. And uh, anybody's been following what, what Pfizer's been doing, you read here, Pfizer completes a $43 billion acquisition uh, on December 14th. It became the largest oncology company to treat most turbo cancers caused by mRNA vaccines. Garrett, 
you didn't get the jab. Um, we just talked about earlier some some dot connecting. What do you know about Pfizer and mRNA vaccines, and uh, what might be some downstream effects of that? Well, <clears throat> once you once you know it, the uh, Pfizer, the the large pharmaceutical con- conglomerate that it is, uh, created an mRNA vaccine quick, fast, and in a hurry. Also, with the backing of millions upon millions upon millions of taxpayer funding uh, to get the their vaccine for the COVID-19 pandemic um, to the market. And uh, it is still only under emergency use authorization, but Pfizer is one of the top leading, you know, COVID quote unquote vaccine manufacturers out there. And the mRNA technology had never been used in a vaccine before. Uh, mRNA uh, subject matter experts like Dr. Robert Malone, for instance, is out there saying like, don't, don't do it. It's not a good idea. There's, I mean, I'm sure some of you follow him. If, if you're not, and you're into this type of stuff, you, you ought to be. Um, but, uh, look at that now it, it's, and think of this, it's only been a couple years. So how much worse is it going to get is, is my question with people who got, who got the jab. And, and honestly, I feel bad for a lot of these people because I think of even colleagues at the FBI, they didn't want to get it. They didn't want to resist and they needed their job. I need my job. I have a family to feed. I have a mortgage to pay this, that, the other thing. I say it all the time. You cannot comply your way out of tyranny. And now look at that Pfizer. They may be on the hook big time. You know, it's not limited to just the the COVID vaccine or now these these oncology treatments. It's the fact that everything by big pharma um, now is is probably rightfully under suspicion. Um, and I can I, I brought some receipts on that as well. It's it, again outside of of just the COVID realm. There's been this push we're seeing for RSV and. Uh, it, reading through this this Blaze story here, which was again uh, a couple of days ago, that came out. This is a uh, op-ed, so but it's heavily back in fact and, and figures. Uh, it's pertaining to the RSV shot. If you read through here, uh, writes British drug maker GlaxoSmithKline was the first out of the gate with an RSV shot for pregnant women decades after other companies had abandoned their research, but the prolific vaccine developer abruptly suspended the phase three clinical trial. After observing multiple safety signals, uh, GlaxoSmithKline abandoned the project completely in 2022 after somebody actually died during the during the testing phase. Ordinarily, that would have been the end of the story, but since we now live in a country brought to you by Pfizer, the nightmare continues. Pfizer, in August, received full FDA approval for nearly an identical formulation of the shot. The shot is so similar, in fact, that GlaxoSmithKline is suing Pfizer in a U.S. federal court for patent infringement. And yet, despite the deadly and unmistakable safety signals with uh, GlaxoSmithKline's vaccine, Pfizer's knockoff version sailed through the CDC and the FDA approval process. All of this for a virus that is so rare that and, de- and uh, rarely deadly, that almost always treatable with just a nebulizer. Well, can you imagine the fighting in court over a patent infringement? for a drug that you never brought to market because it killed people. <laughs> this is the, the mentality that these big pharmaceutical companies have yep. with each other because they don't view you as anything other than 
just a consumer of, of product, not a patient, not somebody who they're trying to actually heal. It's just, what can we give you that'll give you a new condition so we can treat that as well. Right. And it's it really like that story, something like that, a company doing, you know, taking, going to court, engaging in lawfare again. I mean, we see it all the time and all over the place. And it's like, oh, these companies, and I think a lot of people still haven't realized this. These companies don't care about your health. If anything, they want you to be less healthy so you can buy more of their products. And yeah, I mean, you put it, you put it really, really great and succinctly there. A company who never brought this product to market is suing because their product killed people. Like they missed out on the profits because yeah. that's what you are. You, you are some, a consumer who will bring them profit. They're not really interested in if you continue to exist on this planet. Right. Um, but this is the mentality that's permeated because I think, and you, you'll probably draw on this more deeply than anyone. Um, people have this perception that they're, this is it. This is their only go around. There's nothing yep. beyond this. So you got to stay, take whatever you need to, to extend your life here because you want to put off that dirt nap right. as long as possible. This is as good as it gets. And this, yeah. that's what media and politicians have seized upon to get people to do things and panic them into doing things like locking down and doing things that are completely nonsensical. Mm -hmm. um, and, and it's it's not just the, the zombie apocalypse, you know, because we're just over injecting ourselves with, with vaccines or taking everything. It's the mindset. It's this this mind virus that goes around that makes people com essentially compliant zombies to what uh, big pharma wants, because big pharma is going to infiltrate the elected officials. They're going to infiltrate the the advertising revenue that goes over the media, which is why we get something uh, like. Uh, like the CNN expert, Dr. Wynn. Uh, oh, my share. favorite. She's, my she's favorite. awesome. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and this, this is obviously CNN. So it's, it's heavily slanted onto the left. Um, and we'll, we'll try to be, be as quick as we can with this video. I know it's, it's going to be hard. I don't want to ruin your Saturday folks, but <laughs> Dr. Wynn talking about uh, the fact that people are not getting vaccinated enough now at this point. When hospital beds for kids are nearly full in some parts of the country, how, how do you think health systems are going to cope if that trend continues? Yeah, I remember last year at this time, we were seeing something similar, except it was actually worse already. At the end of November, the heads of children's hospitals were calling on the Biden administration to declare a state of emergency because of how terrible that situation was. And then back during the peak of Omicron, beds were also full. And so we're seeing something not unlike what we saw in previous years. And again, the numbers are not as bad yet as in, as in those previous two seasons. And I know that hospitals are all getting their preparedness plans ready ready to try to increase capacity. But I would say that also puts the onus on us as well um, as individuals, because so many people who have not yet gotten vaccinated for example, um, are able to do so. The vaccination rates for the flu lag well behind what they were last year. And when you look at the updated COVID shot, only about a third of people 65 and older have gotten that vaccine. That includes nursing home residents. Only about a third. They realize the, the truth, Lena, or whatever. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, I wonder what could be the reason that people are not getting vaccinated. Yeah. I yeah. Mean, it is safe and effective, except for the sudden death. Just, you know, I think of peak COVID times and some of the stuff that the vitriol that she spewed and dude, that's like I, I looking at her right now, hearing how she talks, she's got a little bit of that vocal fry at the end of some of her words and she's an expert and 
uh, you know, she's a, a, a pretty Asian American who, who came and she's a doctor and oh, she's so great. Dude, this is how Satan comes at you. He doesn't come at you with a pitchfork and flames breathing out of his mouth. He comes at you in this, look, oh, this nice doctor. She just wants what's best for us. Like, nah, dude, she's as evil as they come, man, in my book. Do you know her background? Uh, no, I don't. She ran Planned Parenthood. And she oh, wasn't. there it is. <laughs> she wasn't far enough into killing babies and Planned Parenthood ran her off. So she the, got a CNN the, job. Gosh, the plot thickens. I mean, that <laughs> right there, like, uh, uh, oh, of course, of course, she ran Planned Parenthood. Yeah, she, yep. but she's interested in the health of humans. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll get off of, uh, since it clearly did not win the poll, if you look at <laughs> I Am Legend, only getting 8%. So oh, uh, let solidly. me throw this in. Let me throw this in about <laughs> I Am Legend. They, I, I, my recollection they didn't talk about this, but I bet you the only reason one person survived was because of vaccine passports. And everybody was like, well, I got to feed my family. So I guess I'll take their jab for the cancer. Oh, crap. I'm a zombie. That's right. I mean, he I mean, the movie itself, it's it's like there's there's like the one percenter of people that the vaccine doesn't turn into a zombie. And, and uh, it's I mean, it's an interesting movie. I think they're actually trying to come up with a sequel, which I don't know how they're going to do um but i don't know that's up to the, the hollywood uh, folks to, to write up yeah. uh but we can move on to a, to a different one because uh, i am legend clearly uh didn't even get like ross perot numbers uh eight <laughs> percent uh we've devoted enough time to uh, some some third tier candidate here uh let's move on then to uh to i robot which i think is is probably more likely with the the push we're seeing with all the ai now um and everybody likes their chat gbt and and all, like you, what have you, but you look at the actual rankings of it, it's like far left bias that's going into it. So uh, let's be careful about that. And then as we all know, uh, Skynet can always become self-aware. Yet another movie reference today. <laughs> iRobot. Good morning, sir. Homicide, Spooner. Everything that follows is a result of what you see here. One of us. Is there something you want to tell me? My responses are limited. You must ask the right question. Does thinking you're the last sane man on the face of the earth make you crazy? That detective is the right question. We are on the eve of the largest robotic distribution in history. By Saturday, it'll be one robot to every five humans. Have a nice day. A robot cannot harm a human being. You know what they say. Laws are made to be broken. There have always been ghosts in the machine. These engender questions of free will. Only one logical outcome. Revolution. All right. So having watched that preview, I think that uh, we should we should transition then to uh, to an article that's a little bit dated. I think it's from last year, and it came from the Daily Mail. And uh, we'll pull this up and have re read you a couple excerpts from it, and then I want to get your thoughts on on the uh, the likelihood of sort of like an AI revolution that could uh, wind up bringing the American or the Western world to an end. You look at the Daily Mail; it says title is it would be impossible to pull the plug on a super intelligent machine that wanted to control the world and harm humans scientists warn in a paper on the development 
of AI. Uh, and yeah, the data is from 2021, so a couple of years old. Um, I, I did pull an excerpt out of here that I think it's worth reading. A team of international scientists designed a theoretical containment algorithm that ensures a super intelligent system could not harm people under any circumstances mm. by simulating the AI and blocking it from wreaking havoc on humanity. However, the analysis shows current algorithms do not have the ability to halt the AI because <laughs> commanding the system to not destroy the world would inadvertently halt the algorithms. <laughs> <laughs> Well, how about that? <laughs> the best of intentions, man. Yeah. I mean, like it's it's every sci-fi movie. Um, yeah, it's we're starting to see it all come to life. You know, like it's going to be in a few more years. It's going to be a a real life version horror story of all of these movies combined. Plus, let's throw in the Men in Black series too. <laughs> I mean. I, I'm, I'm actually really concerned about this more than I am about the, the Pfizer stuff. And, that, and the Pfizer stuff does concern me. Um, but the, everybody thinks that artificial intelligence is just objectively good. And they don't realize that people are building it. I mean, obviously, they're going to build in their own biases that we're seeing. And we saw no better examples than some of these chat GPT where you give it instructions to write something. And it would be obviously politically biased one way or another. I don't, I don't think it's avoidable. And then these these iron laws, I think they build in, well, well, you shall not harm humans. And then ultimately this artificial intelligence rule, you know, always comes to the conclusion that, well, the only way to stop humans from harming themselves is to mm -hmm. end the humans. Yep. Uh, and then they learn so fast that you, you, you're behind the curve right away. And then there's also this build up problem that you have. Well, you know, if China's building artificial intelligence, uh, we have to build it. We, we can't. Just say, well, we're not going to partake in that because as soon as China has it, we'll be behind the eight ball on a, on a global level. So it's this we're playing with fire here. Um, and, and I think that most people generally get that sense, which is why uh, it got 11 percent of the vote as opposed it got to actually double digits for people being worried about artificial intelligence. Then we uh, can come off of that. Uh, but before we do, I want to make sure that uh, we give uh, Garrett a chance to talk about his uh, family sweatshop, which I know. Uh, we're coming up on Christmas here. Probably not going to be able to deliver uh, to the people uh, by Christmas Day. But uh, why don't you go ahead, nonetheless, and talk about what you got on the-dispendables.com. Yeah, for sure. You can probably tell I'm wearing the Zelensky special today, the the black version. I I think I I love I love me some OD green, but I'm I think I'm becoming more partial to the to the black Z special at least. And then. Um, you might see behind me we got some pa i got some patches on my shelf back there those are still available new sticker pack and yeah the Substack tees are out there the hashtag are you suspendable tees still there uh some ranger panties out there um nothing new lately i'm probably gonna let this settle in for a while with uh just what i have on hand and and whatnot i've seen an uptick in um suspendable or die shirts being sold and and uh the, the red line version of the last line strength T2 has ticked up a bit. But um, somebody asked in the chat, hey, did did my order ship yet? I think it was Shadow. And I was like, oh, no. And no orders in the last few days have gone out. We've been, I, I have been trying to keep up with, with um, pressing them and whatnot, but uh, haven't been able to get any out the door since early in the week. Maybe I think I, the last shipment I sent out was on Monday, but we're still here. We're still kicking, and hopefully it won't be too long after Christmas that if you place an order recently that they'll come out. And then I guess on top of that, I want to 
I want to hit up uh, the the Rumble rant from Mahao E52. He says, Merry Christmas to our suspendables and patriots. May God protect and bless you always. There is another one out there from Becky Sue. Uh, similar sentiment, a Merry Christmas message. So thank you guys for, for throwing us uh, those Rumble rants our way too. Yeah, they're always appreciated when the, the chat's great. I mean, I know it's a Saturday. People are busy. Uh, we really appreciate you guys, Jordan and us, and we're hope, hoping to give you something to maybe uh, keep the company while you're wrapping gifts or waiting in line. Uh, and while you're joining us on Rumble, make sure that you, you're following us. We just passed 1,000 followers uh, this week, so it's exciting. It's happened pretty quickly. Uh, and I'm, I'm optimistic about our trajectory. I think that's great. Give us a like if you're uh, listening to us later via podcast on iTunes or Spotify or iHeart, any one of those streaming services, give us a five-star review and, and subscribe. So you get an automatic download uh, to whatever device that you are using. Uh, we would appreciate that. So uh, we'll continue our analysis of the, uh, the Fresh Prince fate. What is going to befall the United States? What is the most likely in the, uh, in the, Amrad fans opinion. Uh, and this was actually the least likely only got 3%, uh, but uh, I voted for it because uh, independence day is awesome and it deserves a vote. Uh, so we'll, we'll, we'll watch briefly yeah, the movie preview for independence day and then discuss, actually there's been some recent revelations about potential uh, extraterrestrial involvement on planet earth. Give us a watch. miles away themselves. Where are they heading? We should be entering our atmosphere within the next 25 minutes. Let's just get there as quickly as What's possible. What's the rush, huh? People get to Washington and won't be there? First, their position increases, use this one signal to synchronize their efforts. And then what? Checkmate. Oh God. I really don't think they flew 90 billion light years to start a fight. Ass, that's all. 
Independence Day still it still holds up. I recently watched it. It's a fun movie. Yeah. Um, and anytime you're you know talking about Alien Invasion, I think it's it's always a fun chat. And, mm-hmm. I mean, they're, they've been sort of putting stuff out anytime something big is going on. They want to distract. I, I think it's losing its allure, um, but uh, it it still does get a little bit of attention. And there was you know we're both FBI whistleblowers, so there was this DOD whistleblower who came forward and actually testified recently. Um, and, uh, and he's, he, I think I want to dig into the Hill reported on him, uh, and he was widely reported, but this is an article that I found about him that I thought that was probably pretty, uh, pretty appropriate to talk about. Uh, the UFO whistleblower doubles down on his claims. This is a nightmare for me. Um, a couple of, uh, of excerpts from this article for you here, Garrett. It says, former intelligence officer and UFO whistleblower David Grush said he's been living a nightmare since making his testimony public over the summer. I think we can both sort of, you know, sent, if, if share his sentiment about feeling like your life is a nightmare. Um, I don't know if actually he's out of work or if he's still um, being paid. But, quote, since I went public, certainly this has been a nightmare for me, he said in an interview. Grush testified before Congress in July and reiterated his claims, but said he was unable to provide hard evidence, largely due to his fears of prosecution for sharing classified data in a public setting. Uh, I tracked on him a little bit. But it seemed to me that he he kind of like knows people who said they 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 saw things, and that to me was a little bit concerning. Like, I mean, you might really believe the person that you're talking to, and you might think, hey, that's a stand-up guy. I believe everything he's saying. But unless you have the actual evidence, I I don't know what you can really bring to the table other than just your own face saying, like, you know, I heard from a guy who might know something, and nobody's really going to do anything. Which is how we wind up with the the article that I wanted to connect to this. Um, this came out of Mexico, which was when they said they found the bodies. Uh, if anybody saw these pictures, they were they were pretty pretty funny looking. Uh, Mexico's controversial 1,000 year old alien bodies undergo lab tests, and uh, I think they had recent tests that said that they were not like assembled, that they were all like part of one continuous body. But then they went back to other tests that went on, um, during which they found that uh, they were completely artificial. So I'm waiting on the bodies. I need to see the little green men before I think that I'm going to buy in on this. I don't know where where do you fall on the uh, on the alien conspiracy. Well, I've followed it kind of loosely the last few years. Guys like uh, Stephen Greer and oh man, I'm I'm blanking on some of the names. Rogan has had a couple guys on. Jeremy Corbell is another one, and even Fox News has had them on. And then um, I actually think back to when would this have been? Man, probably just. Probably in the summer, I would say. Uh, our friends over at Public gave me a call and asked if I knew of anybody in who would know of a UAP sighting in the Las Vegas area, because there's like a video going going on out there, and I, I was able to um, give them some information on that. That I don't I don't know how much of it they use, but I knew somebody out there. Uh, who had some information pertaining to that. And they this, this person told me as someone someone I trust, they were like, yeah, based on what I've seen and uh, how the police department is like really clamping down on the body cam footage, they were like, I, be- I believe that this is real. And that they saw the body cam footage themselves. And I was like, what? For real? Like, kind of crazy. But um, uh, th- this guy, Stephen Greer, he's been on Sean Ryan and there's a documentary out there or maybe a couple now that he's done and some of it is pretty compelling and i do think like the government certainly isn't telling us everything they know 
I mean, that's a given. And I think of a clip, uh, I don't know what the hearing was on. It was some of this UFO, UAP, you know, whatever they're calling them today. Um, and Matt Gates was talking about how the, this, all this information is classified. And as the lawmakers, like they need to know it. And it's like, well, yeah, this is what the government does. They classify stuff that they don't want people to know. And it's like, your national security, America, is so important and so critical that you can't know anything about it. And it's like, well, okay, that doesn't make sense. My, my biggest worry or, or the reason that I doubt it the most is that the significant portion of people that would uh, on the left would want that because the second they could find like a cell that exists on another planet that says that, that they would say that's life. Whereas, you know, obviously if you're 15 minutes from being born, that's still just a clump of cells in, in the eh, yeah, of course. womb. Yeah. Uh, but you know, they would jump on that because they thought they would think that it's bodes uh, against any sort of belief in a higher power that's building people in its own image on this planet, uh, it would vote strongly for their argument. So I think that would be a significant percentage of people that would want that brought forward, including our elected officials who would put that out yeah. there. I won't do it now because it would take hours probably, but uh, there's some compelling biblical uh, counterpoints to how potential UAP existence can mesh with, with biblical truth. It's interesting stuff, but like I said, I won't. Maybe maybe I'll do that on my solo podcast when I do deep dives into biblical <laughs> topics. <laughs> I might need to bring. We might need to actually do this next week because yeah. now now I'm intrigued. <laughs> it's, it's intriguing. It is intriguing. <laughs> All right, so so aliens uh, got got the least amount of votes from the from the uh, from the Amrad audience. Only three percent. So like we're talking Marianne Williamson type of, type of numbers, <laughs> uh, and uh, by far the biggest. Seventy nine percent wanted to go to enemy of the state. Uh, which was implying a corrupt government. Yeah, uh, so this is what I voted for, and uh, I'll I'll, uh, I'll share my vote. I voted for Enemy of the State. However, my favorite movie on the list probably is Independence Day. I had the VHS growing up as a as a child, and I watched it all the time. I loved it, but I voted for Enemy of the State because um, I think in in light of the poll, it was the truest answer from from me. Yeah, we'll give this uh, this preview here, and then we can talk about some of the actual examples that that have been uh, more prominent in the last, uh, let's say, six, eight months. Yeah, so, Julie, I'm going to finish up my Christmas shopping. Hey, do chicks dig lingerie? Hi. Hey, hi. What size? Yeah, right. She's, uh, she's, uh, she's a six. What about cup size? I'm sorry? Oh. Oh, she's way bigger than that. I mean, uh, not noticeably. <laughs> Help me. Robert Clayton Dean. He's a DC labor attorney. Take us around the other side. Focus on the drop. Is it a tape? A powerful man has been murdered. Holy. A hidden camera recorded the crime. None of this goes beyond us. We don't need any more problems, do we? An innocent bystander. Are those my Christmas presents? In your dreams, buddy. Dad. Was given the evidence. We have reason to believe that Mr. Zavitz may have passed sensitive materials to you. Uh, no, he, he didn't pass me anything. How did you happen to be at Ruby's today? I was shopping for some lingerie. That's still legal, isn't it? For your wife? No, I was uh, picking something up for myself. I do a little cross dressing on the weekends. <laughs> Let's get into his life. Produced by Jerry Bruckheimer. Take his wife and kid, he give it up for them. Target switching. Directed by Tony Scott. Why are they after me? Two targets, rooftop. You have something they want! I don't have anything! Request immediate keyhole visual tasking. Target is on 21. Don't do this to me. Get out! 
19. I've been a law-abiding citizen my whole life. One day with you, shoot. He's running! He's on your 6 o'clock! Will Smith. Certainly carjacked a really nice car. Gene Hackman. You're either incredibly smart or incredibly stupid. We'll see in a minute. Enemy of the state. All right, so Enemy of the State. I, I think it, this is this predates the Bourne movies, I think, but it sort of has that that theme where it's like an yeah. uber competent NSA or CIA in Bourne movies, where it's like they're able to like track everybody from government computers, which we both know is not really anything that we saw, in, at least in our experiences. But that the 2014 Dell is not able to hack into the security footage for a, a Macy's at any given point. Uh, but I think the, the theme of the movie obviously is a. Uh, overarching government with all these powers and it's willing to push on whatever buttons it needs to to get to, to push forward its ends that it wants uh and I, I think it's worth looking at some of the recent examples that uh, that we've discussed and we've seen uh, put on display here um maybe some that we we've talked about but in, in certain aspects of it we haven't addressed um and uh, the first one i think that i, I want to talk to you about specifically because of your experience uh in law enforcement was douglas mackey and uh he He's obviously uh, he's fighting right now because he was convicted actually of sharing a meme that said "texture vote" to Hillary Clinton, yeah. um, and and that that's been that's been flushed out I think uh, quite a bit, and it's it's worth I know Kyle interviewed him earlier uh, this week on his show, and that's a long form interview I think is worth listening to. But there was one element of it that I, I thought was really interesting uh, for for Douglas, who is now appealing it. And what folks don't know is the the government fought him on that uh, appeal of should he be detained during the during the process while they're fighting it out, and that to me was interesting because he was convicted, I believe, in like November, and as the calendar is working through, I think the actual appeal, the date that they're going to be fighting out in court is going to be in March, so about a four month lapse. He got a seven month prison sentence, and the government said well, he should be detained, he should be in prison during that time. The judge thankfully ruled no, but I thought the fact that the government went to the mattresses on that, where it was a nonviolent crime, he didn't have a criminal history, uh, then just ran some basic numbers in my head and realized he's a First Step Act candidate. He got a seven-month sentence. About four months is going to be what he would actually wind up serving if he were sent to prison, and this was basically a ploy to stretch it out into the fact where he would actually be released before the arguments ever came to pass. And he just, hey, take your conviction, take your sentence and move on with your life. Don't fight us on the actual premise of why we charge you with a crime, which was First Amendment protected activity. Right. And at least in my experience, this is something that federal prosecutors do all the time. You have yeah. a guy, you're, you arrest him for a violation. They specifically draw out the process as long as they can to keep the person, if they are detained, in jail and they can they then say hey we'll compel you or coerce you to plead guilty because look you've already done six months in jail uh it'll be an 18 month sentence uh or do you want to go to trial and, and face an a, additional couple of years or just plead guilty you've already you're already a third of the way there and maybe you get paroled here a little bit early and it makes it more enticing to them so i think that that's sort of the, the thinking there do you agree with that or, or do you have any other thoughts on it yeah like man this one, I can't believe he was ever charged with anything for this for sending a meme. Um, I'm forgetting her name. We we had we were sharing the video back and forth of a, an alleged comedian uh, doing the same thing, and you know she had it posted on her Twitter and saying, you know, go vote 
or I forget exactly her little bit. And it's like, how is this any different than what, what Mackie was doing? And here he is facing the federal government who wants to throw him in prison for sending a meme. Like it's, it's, let's just be frank about this. This is not election interference by posting a meme on 4chan. It's First Amendment protected speech. If you are foolish enough to think, oh, I can just text my vote. Well, one, you shouldn't be voting in the first place. And two, you're a complete moron. You being a moron doesn't mean that he doesn't have a First Amendment right to send a satirical meme out there. And uh, for the government to be, you know, basically going after him as hard as they are for something like this, it's it's despicable. There, it's again an example of them not being concerned with the truth and with true justice. It's them being concerned with the outcome, because oh, he's not one of us. He's one of those conservative types, and he was. We we can just we can just trump this up, pun intended, I guess, and you make an example out of him. That's not what we, in law enforcement you shouldn't be in the business of making examples out of people like. It, it, I just, I even think of like when I was a cop, how many times did you get a call about some BS on Snapchat or Facebook or whatever? And it's like, okay, this is, this is trash. You know, like I can think of very, very limited instances where any legal action was done. One is coming to mind where, um, you know, this ex girlfriend or so, I don't even remember all the details. Somebody ended up getting a ticket in the mail because they didn't even live in our city. And it's like that was the extent of it. And like honestly, if they fought it, they probably the ticket probably would have gotten dropped because like they were sending DMs, and the guy was the guy who was receiving them was like dep like depressed about it. And it's like then block them, you know. Like I told them, like just block them. Then like this this is ridiculous. The government engaging in this type of behavior. It's not just limited to like a Douglas Mackey either. This has been going on. For a long time when we've sort of tried to highlight the examples as we've seen them there's one here's an example i wanted to bring out that nobody's talked about for a long time uh, but you want to talk about some weaponization of processes how about the people who were accused of stealing ashley biden's diary uh they pled guilty to conspiring obviously they're, they're abusing the conspiracy uh, element of things uh they they claimed that they stole her diary which she abandoned in abandoned property. yep Yep. and drove it across state lines to to send to uh james o'keefe and they are actually going to do prison time for this this is example of joe biden the biden administration the fbi under the biden administration sending agents to arrest people for exposing a diary where in it it, it contained excerpts apparently where he was sexually abusing his daughter I, and i know o'keefe's people couldn't double confirm it so they didn't wind up running it mm -hmm. but just the fact that they transported a diary that was a, that was mislaid and abandoned property, uh, they were charged with federal crimes for that. Yeah, it's it's insane. It's really insane to me. Um, and this is where I'll I'll stick this in Isaiah ten, starting in verse one. Woe to those who make unjust laws, to those who issue oppressive decrees, to deprive the poor of their rights and withhold justice from the oppressed of my people making widows their prey and robbing the fatherless. What will you do on the day of reckoning when disaster comes afar? To whom will you run for help? Where will you leave your riches? 
Nothing will remain but to cringe among the captives or fall among the slain. Yet for all this, his anger is not turned away. His hand is still you praised. And I, I, I bring that up mostly because of verse 1. Woe to those who make unjust laws, to those who issue oppressive decrees. It's not unjust on its face to have a federal conspiracy law. It's unjust when the government weaponizes it in the fashion they did. And then you have all these people, oh, see, they were convicted or they, they accepted a plea deal. So what are you talking about? There's no two tiers of justice. And it's like, yeah, for you, another moron who's not paying attention, maybe you don't see it. But when you start to peel back the layers of the onion here, the person abandoned, she abandoned her property. And now the government, the, the henchmen really, are being sent to again make a me- to send a message that that in America that should frighten everybody. And you take a, a third example of people who have been persecuted and obviously did have to plead guilty because of the 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 weight that the the government can bring to bear the the resources that it has. Um, I want to bring up Brandon Strzoka, who was took a plea deal for January six, didn't actually go into. The Capitol. I think he was on the steps or on the outside. He wound up pleading guilty to the misdemeanor, uh, and now he is faced because he's a more prominent figure. There's there the assumption is he's got a lot of money behind him. I don't know what his financial situation is, uh, but he faced a civil lawsuit from a number of the Capitol police officers, and so he it was outside of obviously the criminal context. But who's who's supporting the Capitol police officers in their civil lawsuit against Brandon Straka? And they sued him under the KKK statute, which has been, again, weaponized by the left against conservatives. He actually won. Is it, this is a post from his, uh, his Twitter account. It says, victory. I've won the J6 civil case against me by corrupt, lying, leftist, Soros-funded, D.C. nonprofit law firm, Lawyers Committee for Civil Rights Under Law. Over two years ago, I was served in a civil lawsuit by eight black and brown Capitol Police officers whom I've never met, I had no contact with on J6, and whom I was not even within proximity of. They sued me under the KKK Act. Uh, goes on, said one guy was actually not there that day and still sued him. And thankfully, he had the uh, the fortitude and the the finances to, to fight this all the way. But he said, the case cost me well into six figures to defend and hundreds and hundreds of my hours of my time, which is, of course, the whole point. The left has weaponized our legal system, turning Democrat majority districts into a playground where they can abuse the process to harm those who get in the way of their political agendas. And that's Brandon Strzok. Yeah. Like he says, he says, I have won at the end there. And, you know, good, good for him. Like, I'm glad that it's turned out this way. However, I don't think he won. It, he said in the post, it took over two years. It took six figures of, you know, an untold amount of money, but at the end of the six figures, to, to defend himself against these lies. And these people who filed the civil suit, probably, yeah, Soros-backed and, and funded, and they didn't even know Brandon Straka. But, hey, we can engage in this evil use of the statutes that are on the books to go after our enemies, our political enemies, our ideological enemies. That's really what it boils down to. And so, okay, maybe maybe they lost the civil suit, but they won uh, the battle because because how many days, how many time, how much time, how much effort, how much money did Brandon and his team and his lawyers spend to to fight this? How much bandwidth? How many how many nights where he's thinking, man, I got this lawsuit hanging over my head? And it's probably similar to to 
to what we're dealing with. And, you know, I think about it a lot. There's always a little piece of my brain that's like, oh, it's tomorrow the day, you know, like, am I going to make it to Christmas? It's probably it's looking that, that way now. And, uh, but, you know, we think about these things and it, it, it takes effort and energy and, you know, stamina and all of those things run out eventually. And so he says, I have one, but at what cost, you know, well, like, where was, is, where was the judge here? Uh, and look, obviously the judge is supposed to be an impartial figure here, but that's, that's an element and arm of the government that's the, sure. within the judiciary. And when he has, this is a subsequent post that he had pertaining to this. It was about a, one of the specific officers, Capitol police officer, Michael fortune sued me under the KKK act of alleging I violated his civil rights and I conspired with white supremacists to commit assault and battery against him in discovery. So obviously before the trial, we were able to compel officer fortune to answer exactly where he was. His response. I was in Annapolis, Maryland. When asked what the nature of his injuries were that he was suing me over, he said exposure to pepper spray, bear spray, fire extinguishers, and other pollutants, I guess was happening to him in Annapolis, Maryland that day. Heightened stress and anxiety, exhaustion and soreness. In addition to having never seen or met Officer Fortune in my entire life, I had no chemical pollutants with me on January 6th and didn't spray any. Uh, Officer Fortune's attorneys, said they, they asked him basically um, – what the damages they were seeking because he was probably looking to just settle. And they said that they needed to see what his bank statement said before they asked for a number. <laughs> but like all this stuff happens in discovery. Yep. Where's the judge weighing in on this saying like, this is obviously it, maybe the other officers can make some sort of argument, but certainly somebody who's not there that day can't right. argue that they suffered soreness and irritants from chemical spray. Right. Against then, where's the, the judge. Where's the judge jumping in saying, Hey, this is extortion. So, I'm going to call over as the judge to the FBI office and say, Hey, we have a, we have a financial crime over here at the federal level. And we need you to come in and talk to the, you know, these extortionists, the lawyers and, and the officer, like, it's just, it's so absurd and ridiculous, man, that this is the point we're at. Like we're going to go after our enemies at all costs. And it comes out of, you know, this is, this is rules for radical stuff. That's the playbook. They're going right back to the playbook and still like it's ah, yeah, it's, it's so frustrating because yeah, where is the judge, man? Like, yeah, I get it. You're impartial, but you have a massive say in what's going to happen here as you should. And you be a reasonable minded person. Anybody can, can see that. Like, this isn't even, this isn't even like difficult, heavy, weedy stuff where like, man, we really got to get into the minutia of what party A is saying and what party B is saying. This is, this is very clear. Dude was in Annapolis and oh, show us your bank statements and we'll, then we'll talk. It, it's just, it's weaponization of across the board, it, be it from the cops, from the FBI, from the court system, from the prosecutors, from the defense attorneys. A lot of times the defense attorneys are, in, especially in that D.C. district, are in cahoots with the prosecutors and the judges. And look, they all know each other socially and they're all kind of ideologically aligned here and uh, you're not getting your, your day in court. Um, so that's a specific, done with the specifics here. Uh, I wanted, as we're wrapping up, getting ready to wrap it up here, uh, draw everybody's attention, though, to a piece that I think is worth your time to read um, from Mike Howell. And I know uh, that we had some con contribution to it. It's over at Real Clear Politics. Um, and Mike, who works for Heritage, says, he, he titled this The Right Way to De-Weaponize the FBI. Uh, you can work it through. It's It deals a lot with the radical traditional Catholic memo that went out. Again, another example of clearly they're the enemies of the state because they hold problematic beliefs. 
Um, but uh, Mike makes a pretty good uh, argument here, um, and I'll, I'll read a small snippet of it. It says, lawmakers don't seem to understand the urgency. A constitutional republic cannot stand without an even-handed rule of law. If lawmakers fail to de-weaponize the FBI, the republic may not survive our generation. Congress should embrace its oversight responsibilities and force an immediate audit of the of the genesis of all current FBI domestic terrorism cases. That's one potential uh, solution that that Mike comes up with, um, and it's again in re response to their investigating Catholics over um, who like to go to the Latin Mass. But I, I think that uh, his premise there is, is probably worth looking at, and from an oversight perspective. And, I haven't seen a whole lot going on. There's not been a lot of exposure other than, you know, issuing a report every once in a while or a tweet from, from our elected officials. Um, they need to get a little bit more energetic. I would think if they're actually going to follow through or if they have an intention of following through here, uh, or else we're going to continue to see people just steamrolled people yeah. like Brandon or like Douglas Mackey or like our friend, Steve Baker, who we, we talked to uh, last episode, we had that right. marathon discussion with him. And then th that guy is facing, um, you know, who knows at this point what, what sort of felony charges they're going to gin up on him because he stood up on a bench to know. to film yep. as a journalist. Yeah, there there are really countless examples we can point to, and and man, the the weaponization of an agency, especially like the FBI, because you know they tout it all the time, the most powerful law enforcement agency in the world, and you know we talk about it. They're not just law enforcement; they're they're quasi, well, they're IC, they're intelligence community. I mean, that's what they are legally speaking now. And so they're an intelligence branch and has all that law enforcement power. And that is a scary place. And we've, you know, we've talked about some of the historical examples before, so I won't go too deep, especially getting towards the end here, but it's, yeah, Steve Baker, it's this piece by Mike Howell, it's Brandon Straka. It's the whole system. This is this is why I call DOJ as a whole, not the Department of Justice, but I call it the Ministry of Justice because it is so backwards, 1984 style that you have to defang it or like it's going one way or the other. And in my mind, it looks like it's only going to be further weaponized because the legislative branch, they've lost the capacity to actually do anything substantive. And I'm sure that's just what agencies like the FBI wanted. That's what they've been working at for decades. And I think I think they're there. Or you have to get enough lawmakers all on board to be like, okay, we don't care what the pushback is. We are making some actual new laws to repeal some of this out of control power that these institutions have gained. Which brings us back to the beginning of why might they not be doing that? Might they be compromised? Might mm -hmm. the May, might they fall themselves find themselves in the crosshairs as enemies of the state or in the entrenched bureaucracies that exist uh, who are pushing back on them and saying we're going to expose you for whatever sort of skeletons you have in your closet if you push back on us from, for what we want yep. to do well i think of what chuck schumer said about donald trump he it was something like they, that intelligence community has seven ways to sunday to get back at you he knows how does he know that because he's been in the game long enough he's been in that city long enough he knows that they do and he said the quiet part out loud about trump and look what they're doing to him and they got more than seven ways to to go after you if they can do that to a former president billionaire type like what do you think they can do to you you know well 
we're the one thing that I guess we can take some some sort of solace in is the fact that they're probably not working this weekend. So at least we have a few days off here, yeah. folks. Uh, maybe yeah. we could uh, maybe we could the just enjoy these. <laughs> um, we want to we want to close it out here. Uh, obviously, going into everybody's Christmas, we 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 thank you very much for joining us on your on your Saturday, uh, two days before. We know everybody's uh, overwhelmed with a lot that's going on. Uh, you got last minute shopping and cooking. If you're like Garrett, you're going to four Christmases. Um, so completely overwhelming uh, time of the year. And we're happy to, to maybe give you a little diversion, even if you're just listening to us while standing in line or in the car or something of that effect. We're grateful that uh, you all joined us here uh, today on, on Rumble. While you're there, make sure you're giving us a follow, thumbs up and a like, or listening, giving us a five-star review if you listen to us later on uh, one of the audio streaming. And we saw some more Rumble uh, rants come in that I did do want to definitely acknowledge because uh you guys are so generous um and we thank you so much uh, you know kelly yeah, d god bless you and your families merry christmas uh maga uh, dl maga thank you and all you do merry christmas to you and your family god bless uh and uh and then justice is blonde merry christmas radicals so uh you all are definitely embodying the reason for the season it's it's not just about buying trinkets for people uh which is why i think uh one more movie reference for the amrad podcast here uh to close it out we're putting this up, and uh, I think it's it's a classic worth uh, worth worth watching. Everything I do turns into a disaster. I guess I really don't know what Christmas is all about. Isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? Sure, Charlie Brown. I can tell you what Christmas is all about. Lights, please. And there were in the same country shepherds, abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them. And the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not. For behold, I bring you tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you, you shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Linus nails it. He does. Charlie Brown Christmas. It's still a classic, still one of the best. It is indeed. Uh, we were trying to find it in full on streaming yesterday. Can't find it, so I'm going to have to get the DVD or something. But yeah, that that's a great way to close it out. I'm actually surprised YouTube still allows something like that <laughs> on their on their platform. Well, at least for now, an infamy rumble will have us playing that clip. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. there we go. You'll always be able to find it on the American Radicals podcast. Uh, again, folks, we really want to thank you all for joining us on your Christmas uh, weekend. We'll be back next week. Uh, Day after Christmas, bring you some some new fresh content. Our pledge to you to, to continue to, to work through the holidays. Uh, we want to make sure that, that we're giving you things that engage you on intellectual and give you some laughs. Um, I think we we probably uh, beat the the movie references into the, into the ground. I think this this was a solid victory for us here. Um, we'll have to find a new new challenge from the chat. So people, if you come up with something for us, we'll try to do our best here. Uh, Garrett, I hope you and the family have a merry Christmas. Make sure, folks, that you follow him on social 
at GOB Actual. You can follow the podcast at AmRadPod. You can follow me at Real Steve Friend. Have a blessed Merry Christmas, uh, and I guess we'll see you here next week. Merry Christmas, everybody. You've been listening to the voice of the Suspendables on the American Radicals podcast. Follow us on rumble.com slash amradpod.